0: Welcome to another episode of Elisa Unfiltered Living Life Out Loud. Today it is Wednesday, oh my god, September the 16th. Woo! We're in September. We are doing it back to school, back to sort of a normal routine, like ish. I know a lot of things are opening up and people are starting to to get back to work and get back to like a normal-ish life. I know life has totally changed for everybody. And I I don't want to focus on that today. Honestly, I just want to say thank you so much for being here. If you have it in you, please hit the pause button right now and go and subscribe. Leave a five-star review and a written review. That would be awesome for the show. Let's let's do it, people. I would really appreciate it. And you know what? Tag me. If you listen to this, take a screenshot, share it on your social media, and give me a tag. I will reshare it. I will reshare it if I see it, which I will see it. So please let's 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 start the show with a shout out. <laughs> I have a great episode for you guys today. And I before I get into that though, I have one small piece of housekeeping, which is that my weight loss, weight gain, body love, and everything in between workshop is now open for registration. Now space is limited for this workshop. It happens on Tuesday, September the 29th. Okay, so Tuesday, September the 29th at 6 p.m. Eastern this workshop is for anyone who has been struggling with your body image maybe some weight gain or self-confidence over the last six months you know the this pandemic has changed a lot of bodies and changed a lot of minds and people are feeling less and for me personally i've actually gained 10 pounds over the last six months and i'm going to talk all about that i'm going to talk we're going to deep dive into weight gain and body love and mindset and awareness and fitness and food myths and i want to give you the tools and confidence to live your life without the constant mental and emotional pressure from diet and fitness culture. We're going to lose weight. We're going to be happy in our bodies. It is the weight loss, weight gain, body love, and everything in between workshop happening Tuesday, September the 29th at 6 p.m. Eastern. You can sign up for it right now. If you want to hit pause, go to www.alisaunfiltered.com forward slash the workshop. Okay, alisaunfiltered.com forward slash the workshop. Do it, sign up before all the space runs out. Cause it's gonna be so fun. Okay, that's enough for me on that. Today my show is with Amanda Rasam, who is a beautiful, wonderful human being. And we are talking all about intimacy and sex. Amanda believes that empowered self-expression is the source for true freedom. And she talks all about that. Her mission is to raise the global consciousness through expressive sex, pleasure, and connection, offering others freedom, empowerment, and choice in their relationship. Her aim is to inspire women to be unapologetic in their embodiment of their desires, sexual, sensual, and beyond. Oh, she is a guide for those who wish to connect to the heart of their inner goddess, awakening love, flow, and abundant pleasure. Ooh, yeah. And she's also a super cool chick. You're going to love her. Let's get right into the show today. Here is Amanda Rossam. Hi, Amanda. How are you?
1: I'm doing so well. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast today. It's <laughs> such a beautiful blessing. Thank you.
0: So, so fun. Um, I actually, it's it's funny. We were just chatting before the show started. And as we're talking, I felt like I've just been hanging out with you. Forever, but we were, (laughs) it feels like we've been friends for a long time (laughs) for some reason. (laughs) Um, But we, did we formally meet in Bali?
1: Uh, Yeah, I think, I'm sure we formally met, but I think it was kind of like a hi, my name's Amanda, nice to meet you. And and then we kind of were on a couple excursions together with the uh, yoga teacher training. Yeah. But I don't know that you and I, like, you and I never really sat down and hung out until kind of right now. So.
0: Well, yeah, so, okay, my my recollection is I definitely met you a- in Bali for the first time in person, I guess, which is kind of neat how two Canadians meet abroad and then yeah. live in the same city and have a connection or so much in common, and then I started following you on social media. So I wanted you to be here today because of the amazing work that you do and the this incredibly inspiring message of empowering women and couples, I guess, men, men too. Right. Um, And having that freedom to express yourself and be authentic in relationships and in your on your own time. And I okay, honestly, I really love the stuff that you do with um, intimacy and passion and sex. And I want to get into that. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Let's do it. (laughs) Yeah, I want to get into that.
0: But first, like, tell me a little bit about your story here. How did you get into all of this?
1: Okay, so the story always makes me laugh because I feel like I tell it. You know, it's like you have like your story, you tell it over and over again. Yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) This is like, so basically, uh, born and raised in Ottawa, um, you know, parents were government family. So -hmm. it was kind of this assumption that I was just going to, and there's always this theme in my life around being really professional. It was like, you can't talk about that. That's not professional. I'm like, bitch, watch me. I'm going to fucking make my career the most (laughs) like candid explicit career and so it will be professional for me to talk about all these things (laughs) yes and uh yeah I ended up going to university I studied um I studied psychology communications I went into research for um it was like a volunteer position in the human sex lab at Ottawa U, and I was doing research in sexuality and thought like oh my god this is so fun I want to do this like I think that I'm meant to go do my PhD and had this whole like climb the ladder kind of mentality. Yeah. Um, and then switched into suicide prevention research, which was, as you can imagine, like super not sexy, really depressing, like really depressing. Yes. Um, and that wait, was when I had can, my can I, fuck can it I,
0: moment. Can I just, I need to, I need to hear about the fuck it moment, but I just need, what, what draw, what What was the draw towards suicide prevention? We're going on a tangent. We do this on yeah, the show. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. No, um, I guess it was that I, I mean, I had a massive martyr complex. So we'll just put it that way. I was like, oh my God, suicide. Like, how yeah. better can I help the planet than by, like, it was, it was like, let's go to the most extreme case of being able to help people. And I think that in my mind, I had this impression that I was going to be, um, like, literally saving lives. And I ended up working in an office office with no windows (laughs) collecting data and I was like I think I'm like maybe on this list soon like it's just not it's not voting to like a really fulfilling experience here and uh yeah at the time the irony was that I I feel like my soul was fully dying um interesting I was in toxic relationships I was um working in an environment that was very bureaucratic it was actually very interesting to think that I was working in suicide prevention and here my mental health was just deteriorating Mm -hmm. um I was having all of these bodily issues where like you know IBS and early onset carpal tunnel having to get glasses TMJ in my jaw my hair was falling out um eczema like my body was exploding it was like I don't want to do this this is not my idea of helping people because this doesn't feel whatsoever fulfilling and in my mind I had this kind of like a to B perspective on helping people I was like well once I get my degree and once I have done my PhD and once I've been in school for eight years and you know or more then I'll be helpful to people (laughs) it's like yeah Billy why don't we do something now (laughs) like why are we why are we creating this future um this future experience that hasn't happened and um yeah my fuck it moment came when I decided that I was like, I can't do this anymore. I can't be in this, uh, in this space. And I was in suicide prevention research as well, because I was like, this will be a stepping stone so that I can go study sexuality. Like it'll be for me to get into a master's PhD. Um, I'll work with couples and, you know, depression and like, I'll figure out a way to weave my way through it. Um, and so it was almost like in that moment when I decided I wasn't going to be working there anymore, I had this kind of, perception of like, okay, this dream is dead. Like I'm not going to work in sexuality and couples. I'm actually going to become a personal trainer and yoga teacher. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go work with the body. And that will be, that will be my new, my new purpose. And it felt way more aligned. I was like, um, you know, I, I was a year of my life that I will never, ever, ever take back. Like, I mean, I don't regret it whatsoever. Um, it was one of the hardest years of my life, but it was one of the most fulfilling, because I was learning about my body. I was understanding why all these symptoms were coming to the surface. Mm-hmm. I was I was getting such a better understanding of the mind-body connection in a way that I'd never understood before. And I was seeing the value of um, how just because I didn't have this fancy degree didn't mean that I couldn't help people. And it was a really, it was like moving from this like, you know, growing up with like this government mindset, you know, very like, first you do this, then you do this, then you do this, and you, you climb that ladder yeah. to becoming very entrepreneurial in my mindset. I had to shift all of my neurology so that I could be within this new role. Um, and within that time, I had the mantra, there is no harm in experimenting.
0: Oh, so I, that's I like it that. E-
1: <laughs> it was a year of massive experimentation. Um, I was trying different plant medicines i was um, dating openly i was in polyamorous relationships i was you know at this job that i was like well i guess this is this is my new career now like i was doing pretty well everything off the cuff and uh, and it was kind of one of those moments of like well everything i've done till now hasn't worked let's try the opposite let's see what happens if i just do the opposite
0: interesting and- <laughs> so it was like a rebellion against the patriarch of the world.
1: <laughs> yeah. I definitely have a very rebellious heart. It felt like it was highly suppressed for many years. And I think that that, I call it my fuck it moment. Cause it was the moment you just like finally surrender and you're like, fuck it. Like, what am I doing this for? Like, why am I abandoning myself? Why am I, um, why am I not listening to myself? Like, why am I ignoring the, the intuition from my gut? For what?
0: For who? Now in that moment, so this is one of my most fascinating questions. I love asking guests about it. I like how you, you, you call it the fuck it moment. I mean, other people call it awakenings, aha moments, like, like just serious, like wake up calls here. But what I like to ask is, was this, was this a defining time? Was it a defining moment or was it kind of like a slow burn? And how did you come to that decision? Exactly. Oh
1: man. Well, it was, it was kind of a little bit of option A, a little bit of option B here because there were many defining moments. It was, it was definitely a defining time, but the moment, um, it all kind of came to, came to a head in, I believe it was June of 2016 and, and shit was just popping off. Like it was like, my relationship was just like going down, (laughs) just things were not going well in my relationship. I was coming back from a vacation with my family and when I, the day I got back to work, I was like, Oh my God, I can't, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. And I remember the entire vacation I like slept like my body, my central nervous system was just completely toast. Mm-hmm. And so there was this moment of like complete burnout. And, um, maybe you can relate to this is like when you're so burnt out and the decisions that you normally would make or the decisions that you normally would like fight for or convince yourself of that filter filters gone. Like you're like, okay I surrender man like I don't I can't do this anymore like I can't keep up this facade um and this was where like you know I think that at the time it didn't really click for me but that when it comes to the work that I do now like it's all about authentic raw expression and authentic embodiment and authentic truth and I was living behind this mask for so many years Yes. And finally, that fuck it moment was where I was like, I'm willing to take off the mask and even admit that like, I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing. Yes. I have no idea what's going to happen next. But like, if I continue down this path, like I'll end up, I'll end up in a place that I don't want to be in. And um, nothing was more important than that. It was I was like, my health is my wealth. I'm not happy. And what am I going to do about it? I can't wait for someone to save me.
0: Which is such an incredible moment when you can actually admit to yourself. Like, how powerful is that? When you can admit to yourself, like, this just isn't working for me anymore. I need to do something else. I love that. So, okay, now you work with this embodiment. And I like how you call it unapologetic expression. (laughs) Unapologetic expression. Talk to me a little bit about that. How did that come about?
1: Yeah. So I was working, again, I was uh, learning about the mind-body uh, connection. I was teaching uh, fitness classes and working with clients and all this stuff, and I found that the the coaching that I was doing, um, I wanted to go beyond the body because I was noticing mm-hmm. that it wasn't just about what people did in their physical body. Like, they could work out all day, they could eat all the right food and drink all the water, but if they weren't mentally and emotionally aligned... Um, it was obvious. I mean, it became so obvious when you would ask someone, you know, like, how was your week? And they'd go, oh, you know, not bad. <laughs> and like, I'm like, shit, like, how bad was it? Like, yep. you, you, you really don't seem good. Um, and at that point, I was uh, meeting people. It was kind of like, again, that year aligned me with a lot of really interesting people. And I was, it was not by coincidence, or rather, maybe it, it completely was coincidence, in the sense that I... Then became uh, connected with someone who was uh, a, an NLP practitioner. So a practitioner in mean? neurolinguistic programming. Okay. Which is all about the unconscious mind and understanding how our unconscious processes are running our lives. Mm. And that's when I just like hit the jackpot and was like, oh my God, I have to learn everything there is to know about this. I feel like this is my calling. I have to go for this. And it was a major leap of faith to take it another turn in my career and go, so now I'm not just a fitness coach. I'm looking to become a life coach. Okay. I guess this is my next, my next path. And, um, I even had my stipulations about the word life coach. Cause I was like, Oh, what am I going to do? Tell people what to do with their lives. And, um, it was when I started to study NLP that I realized just how much of my own expression had been repressed and that my own, truth had been repressed out of fear, um, and that it was so subconscious. And when I began coaching in NLP, um, it dawned on me that I was like, well, if everything comes back to beliefs, because Mm. in my model of the world, it does, it all comes back to our beliefs create our thoughts, our thoughts create our actions, and our actions create our results. Mm. So if you're doing something different, but don't believe it can work, I mean, you're not really going to get the result you want. And, um, it really occurred to me just how much belief around my body was so prevalent when I was working in fitness. It was so obvious that I just really wanted to fix myself, to fix my body, to be something that I wasn't. Um, and it all was, it was coming back to, um, I think that now as I look back at it, I'm like, there's such a link with your authentic expression and your ability to embody yourself sexually. And uh, it kind of all came full circle. I went, oh my God, I can still study sexuality just in a very different way um, because this is an, an area that people feel is so taboo. And if you're not able to express about it, how can you work through it?
0: Mm-hmm. So let's go back to the beliefs because that is sort of my field of work awareness, having the awareness of what you believe, having a non judgmental uh, observer of your thoughts that lead to your beliefs and be able to rewrite the story of your life. And yeah. so when it comes to, let's, let's talk about this intimacy. Let's talk about intimacy a little yeah. bit in relationships because I, even just with myself doing this work on myself and meditation and self-love and, 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 Learning how to soothe myself, learning what beliefs I adopted as a child, where it came from, the trauma that I've been through in my life, and and starting to accept that and and rewrite—I don't know—my own rules is kind of where I like to go with this. I'm making my own damn rules. <laughs> um, yes. Is a very intimate experience. I'm really getting to know myself at a more intimate level. I'm going deeper. It's not just the surface coping mechanisms. It's more of like a, a deep inner knowing and connecting to that. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to intimacy with yourself and with partners, what, what, what does that mean? Like, what does intimacy mean essentially?
1: Yeah. I love this question because it really, um, unraveled for me a couple of years ago when I, when I discovered that intimacy. So when I often ask people about intimacy, the immediate assumption for many people is sex. Yes. Like, oh, intimacy equals sex. Um, in my, in my reality, you know, I, the way I see intimacy is that intimacy is your ability to hold space for everything that you see. It's the, you know, the, the classic, like into me, you see. So mm. It's you know intimacy is not just about what you like.
0: <laughs> okay, but I say that again. That was cool. Into yeah. me, you see intimacy. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Intimacy is about Cute. being Love able it. to
1: see into yourself and mm-hmm. and truly be able to hold all of the all of the good, all of the ugly. Like it is about truly intimacy for me is about being seen. And mm. so often when I talk with couples, and you know, there's someone who um, I see this so often with, you know, with the student where they're, you know, they're with their partner and they're either things have fizzled out. And they're going, I just want to feel, I want to feel seen again like I did, you know, years ago. Or they're, they're you know, there's like an affair that, that someone is pursuing and they're like, I'm like, what is it about this person that feels different? They go, this person truly sees me. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the thing with intimacy is that it, we crave it so deeply because we don't want to just be seen for what we how, how good we are, how good we look, and all the perfection on the outside. Mm-hmm. We want to be able to be held and seen for all of our mess as well.
0: Of course.
1: And so our ability to be intimate with someone else is a direct reflection of our, our ability to be intimate with ourselves, to be able to see ourselves and accept ourselves unconditionally in all of our shadow, in all of our mess, in all of our brilliance, in all of our divinity. It's about being able to hold all of it and go, yeah, that's you, and that's perfect, as it is.
0: Yeah, my one of my favorite um, influencers of the world, Mark Groves, he's also a friend, uh, says that our capacity to love others is always, will always be limited by the depths to which we love ourselves, and I would imagine intimacy is very much included in that.
1: Yeah, because if, let's say, you want deeper intimacy with your partner, um, so there's two things here. The partner with the... Um, I guess like lower threshold for intimacy, like the person with the higher uh, tolerance or the person who not tolerance, the person who's basically um, more sensitive to intimacy is going to control the intimacy in the relationship Mm. because they're the one who's like, they're the threshold. They're going, Nope, too much. Don't want to go there. (laughs) Okay. Um, So if you have two partners and one is going, ah, but like I'm the one who wants greater intimacy, I then, also reflect that, you know, you attract a partner, you pair bond with someone at the same level of intimacy as you. Okay. So your partner may look like they might be more overtly expressive in the the way that they don't want to be intimate, but that doesn't mean that you are suddenly better at intimacy than them. They are a reflection of where you're at as well. Um, you're both gauging each other like a mirror. So if you are unwilling to accept certain things within yourself, why would you want to show them to your partner? Why would you want that highlighted? <laughs> um,
0: How does someone break down that? How does someone break down the, um, the, the wall or the barrier?
1: Yeah. So it is first and foremost a process. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, the most important part of that process is safety you need to feel safe. If you don't feel safe to take down your wall, it's not going to feel like you are doing that willingly. It's not going to feel um, empowered. It's going to feel manipulative. It's going to feel like someone is forcing it. There's We, we all want choice. We want to choose how we show up. We want to choose how we express. We don't want to be forced into um, to put on a mask in order to do that. And so first and foremost, it's a process that requires safety. And that Um, The way that I really have practiced this is that it's creating the space, um, again, to accept whatever wants to come up. So if you're by yourself, it's kind of like sitting in front of the mirror, looking at yourself in the eye and being like, here's all the shit that I am afraid to say to myself. Right? Like, I'm not going to hold it back anymore. I'm not going to judge it for whether it's like cruel or mean or bad. I'm just going to say it because it's sitting and festering inside of me. And until I can actually announce it and accept it, then I can change it. But if I don't accept it, if I'm like, no, I don't feel that way. That's not me. I'm better than that. You're creating an illusion and it's going to just get louder.
0: I fully hear you on that one. It's, it's part of that domestication of happiness is the only feeling that we're allowed to feel. And it's what we're all striving to be is happy. And that is, the second that there is jealousy or anger or envy or whatever, we're suppressing that and and calling ourselves bad and judging ourselves and putting us in a position that makes us less than because we're supposed to be happy all the time. So during trauma, I mean, trauma, hap- everyone in their lives will experience trauma at some degree, whether yeah. like it. I'm not going to discredit. I don't like discrediting any level or form of trauma because it all manifests in the body and in the mind and in a very unique way. Yeah. But it's really interesting when we experience trauma of any kind, how we're immediately suppressing the emotions that come from that or it, with it, even within the healing and claiming ourselves as being bad and, ha- and sharing those as being bad. Like, I, I don't know about you, but I... I, it's so important to be in alignment with those, with those quote unquote negative emotions. I don't know. And, and being in alignment for me is, is choosing to align with the moment. It's not striving to be happy. It's not like always a place of, of, I am so happy. This is the best thing ever. Alignment is being in, in alignment with this moment right now whether I'm angry or jealous or envious. So in in order for me to actually express myself and express that yeah, it's okay. I have to create a safe space inside of me to and 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 become aligned with those horrendous horrible thoughts. <laughs> And Mm -hmm. be able to freely express it. Am I making sense here? I feel like I'm kind of. Yeah,
1: no, you absolutely are. And it's like the alignment, from what I'm hearing, it's like the alignment's not about coming to an alignment of everything is good and perfect and and Mm -hmm. dandy. Um, It's the alignment of being within the truth within the moment. And I think that's where, again, we talk, whenever I talk with people about truth, you know, I think that there's been this very black and white version of truth that's existed prior to, Mm you know, this year where we would look at logic and go, well, the truth adds up to this, because we have this proof, this proof, this proof. And what I've been learning and reflecting on is that our truth is truly about how embodied we can be in each moment and how honest we can be about that embodiment. Yes. Those negative emotions. Like I've even, I've really started to reframe this idea that they're, they're simply dense emotions. Like they're just heavier to lift but they're not negative as in bad because I think that that's the charge. Like, even though we're like, Oh, the charge is negative. We can have a, a filter that, Oh, that, that, that emotion's bad. I shouldn't feel that or I should get rid of it or should find a way to be happy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um,
0: or cope with it. Or I don't know. My self soothing practice just for me in my own life is to be able to hold space for all of the emotions that come up And that's how I found intimacy with myself and be able to accept that, yes, this makes me mad. It makes me mad because I believe in this and or this happened and this is my reaction and being able to observe that I can now see that I can feel the reaction coming up in my body. And when I notice that happening, like let's just say in a relationship with uh, like in an intimate uh, relationship. I feel anger coming up. That awareness and being able to see that or feel that in my body now helps me to see the choice I have and how I want to respond to that particular situation. So, yeah. like the intimacy part for me and learning about myself is learning about what my triggers are and <laughs> what my beliefs are around certain people in certain circumstances uh, so that I can now observe that within myself and I have yeah. the choice of how I want to express that with someone someone else and hold space for them at the same time. I, I don't know if precisely. I said that. Precisely.
1: No, precisely. Yeah. You're absolutely on point because it's like if you... Okay, let's take the the person who goes, I want to have better sex or I want to be more sexually free. Yes. Okay. Let's, let's ask a couple questions here. How easy is it for you to be fully intimate with yourself not just sexually not just about touching yourself but can you truly sit with yourself and all of your emotions mm-hmm. um if you cannot what you're what you're telling yourself is that only certain expressions are appropriate only when you're happy only when you're mm. good are, mm. is it appropriate so now what you've done is you've filtered your emotions and it's kind of like we maybe have this conception that like oh i can turn down my anger I can turn down my grief. I can turn down my sadness, but I can turn up my happiness. Yeah. That's unfortunately not how it works. Mm-hmm. What it what the reality is, is that if you turn down the dial of any emotion, you're dulling the rest. Sure. You're desensitizing yourself to the emotions. You're desensitizing yourself to your heart. And when you are in a, an embodied place with a partner, when you are looking to really be like fully free and expressed and feel all the pleasure and be in the moment, you're looking to be in like your most primal animal experience. You can't do that by repressing your emotions. You, There requires you to be fully in and are playing at hundred percent. Otherwise you're going to feel like you're held back. So our expression is so directly tied to our sexual satisfaction and happiness because if you're not willing to, and let's even talk about like, if you're not willing to express your needs, <laughs> if you're not yeah. willing to even say, Hey, I don't like that or I'd really like this or I really appreciate when you touch me this way. If you can't express those things, now we're getting into an entire other category here of, you know, what are you consenting to that you don't want to? And what are you not asking for that you need? So it's so interesting to look at this, this concept of intimacy. It's like you said, it's like your ability to be intimate with your triggers with yourself will, will be directly influencing how you can show up with a partner.
0: So if, Let's, let's talk about sex.
1: <laughs> yeah. Finally.
0: <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> I feel as though a lot of the things we're talking about are prevalent in, are relatable to the female side. I, like, men are always ready to go. I, it seems like in my experience, men are always, they will have sex at like, any partner i've ever had as soon as i'm on they're already on they've been on for an hour so how like maybe that's just my experience but it feels to me like men have a different uh i don't know sex a, a meter <laughs> is that a word the sexometer <laughs> the, the... <laughs> sex
1: meter yeah arousal meter yeah I, mean, I can't speak on behalf of the experience of men because i mean i i myself do not identify as such. However, what I will say is that men and women have been socialized very differently and to, to truly to a detriment because at the end of the day, I think that even that perspective that like, you know, men are always ready to go, that pressure that it puts on men, there's this expectation even that they're, that they have to get things going, that things have to Mm. go somewhere. And I found that the most profound sexual experiences show up very, very, very slowly and gradually and without that pressure. It's like it can. It takes a natural progression when kind of time slows down. There's no sure end goal in sight. You're more just like with the experience of the present. And that's very uncomfortable for a lot of people because not a lot of people live in their present moment. They're living in the future. They're living in the past. They're mm-hmm. living in the shoulds. They're not really in their bodies, unfortunately. And so... This practice of embodiment, I mean, it's de- it's definitely going to impact men and women very differently because, um, and just people in general differently, because we all have different experiences. um, Yeah. So, I mean, is, it, is there a, did that answer your question? Is there yeah. Some, so, but how do, uh,
0: yeah, follow up. So how do, how do we get in the body then? So if there's no end goal, cause you know, sex in my experience has a lot of, it's always different. There's you know the when you have a lot of time when you're feeling really sexy when you're feeling like you want a quickie when you're feeling you know just raw and animalistic like sex isn't always just one thing for me however i i do believe that a lot of couples and a lot of relationships it's always one way or it's get the men to finish or you know there's some shame around your body or certain body parts and so a lot of women hide men hide too so like how what does that embodiment look like and how like what are some of the first steps for people who you know might struggle a little bit in that area
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah so I'll answer this question two ways because I'll, I'll speak to the person who's maybe single with a, a partner and the person who has a partner okay so the I mean, the easiest thing that we can do as individuals is, is get into the body through breath and meditation and to, and to see the way that I look at, at sex is that sex is a meditation. Ooh. Like if, if I'm not in my, if I'm not meditative, if I'm not in like a trance, then I'm not there and I'll, and I'll tell my partner, I'll go, Hey, like I'm really not here right now. I need us to slow down and, and reconnect back to this to the, to the experience of being here. Um, and so meditation as a, as you know, its own thing and then allowing it to become part of your solo practice. Um, you know, I, I often think about, there's something that kind of came to my awareness recently thinking like, if I never, if I was purely just animal, if I was just this, you know, human being plopped onto this planet and I had never, ever, ever been told about sex I'd never been told, i have never been shown porn, I'd never seen anything, how would I respond to my body? Like, how would I respond to myself? Would I be like, oh, first I touch my neck, then I touch my breast, then I touch my, my pussy, I'm like, no, like, I would, I think that I would be much more in tune with what I just felt, and what would feel good, and so, there's been times where I put on, like, a timer, and I and I go through my, like, solo meditation, where I just allow my, my body to receive whatever experience that I want at that moment, um, sometimes that results in orgasm. Sometimes it doesn't like, there's just no, there's no, uh, need to get to an end goal. I often imagine like when I was like a kid, like when you're young, when you're a little kid and you're first exploring your body, it's not maybe obvious yet to you that you can even achieve orgasm. You're just playing to play. Mm -hmm. And so getting rid of the need to get anywhere really, allows you to just be in the experience and it also will totally bring up your triggers because it'll totally bring up whatever insecurities are around that of like needing to get somewhere, needing to do something, needing to be busy, (laughs) needing to be perfect, like all those, all those triggers and uh, that experience can then be brought into a partner's experience as well.
0: I want you to get into that partner because the need to get to the end goal, a lot of women, Um, And this is is part of my experience as well, has been to always please the man first. Mm -hmm. Or get the man... Like, if the man doesn't orgasm, then I haven't fulfilled my duty as a woman. Or some Mm. sort of (laughs) bullshit story like that. Yeah. Or if I'm not having sex two to three times a week, I'm not fulfilling my duty as a woman. Whatever the rules are around sex.
1: Such bullshit rules, right? And it's so funny to... Hear these rules that they seem to be very ingrained in, in the norms of our culture. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just, it's so strange. So yeah, um, yeah, you're not alone in that experience. And even myself included, like that was my experience for so long. I still at times catch that coming up where I go, oh, there's that old story again. Yep. And I think again, similar to my fuck it moment where I was like, oh my God, I'm just going to do the opposite. I kind of had this moment (laughs) recently where I looked around at everything that I've learned and all of society and all the things that I have quote unquote known to be true. And I just go, what if everything is opposite? What if like, what if I'm not supposed to, you know, get a man anywhere? What if like, there's an entirely different experience that is, that's begging to be born here. And I had to be, um, okay with just receiving pleasure with no expectation to give back that was really hard for me
0: sure that's a scary thing even finding middle ground between the two extremes right like even changing even down like letting go five percent is a is a is a a scary thing a hundred percent yeah
1: yeah so it's like our ability to um our ability to receive is proportional to our ability to give. So if we're, and if I, think, I think of sex now not as, I mean, I think of sex many different ways. Um, it's very meditative. It's also energy. It's an exchange of energies. So the way that you, and sex is a window into everything that you do because it's the most raw, vulnerable, naked version of yourself. So the way that you approach sex is the way you approach life. Hmm. So if you have a partner and you're like, I'm going to give you everything and please you and make sure that you're taken care of and my needs, who gives a fuck, like that's being translated into every single thing that you do.
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah. So it's now a a question of going, if my energy is being exchanged at all times and, um, now I'm, I'm going to be much more intentional and observant with how I exchange that energy, you start to you start to recognize just how much you give and how much you receive and also how much you take and how much you allow. And when I say allow, it's like, it's like allowing can be very empowering. It can be a a form of surrender. It can be a form of like, I'm I'm letting go. I'm allowing from my heart. It can also be a place of shadow of like, I'm going to keep allowing this problem to persist and not say anything or do anything about it.
0: Hmm. Interesting just having that awareness that it's there is is an allowing of some sort. Yeah. And then I would imagine, so you mentioned meditation, so important, but also I would imagine creating some boundaries out of what comes out of those meditations. Like, you're, are you talking masturbation meditations? Are you talking, like, sit in stillness or both?
1: <laughs> you could totally do, yeah, both. I mean, a masturbation meditation... Um, is really powerful. I, I remember I had um, there was a point in time where I was working with students and I had tasked them to do ten minutes of solo practice, like solo pleasure, every day for a week, and just notice, just notice, like notice what happens. Like, do you go into it being like, oh, okay, I have to do this meditation now? Fuck, okay, like how am I gonna come? Like, if that's not that's not sexy. That's not yeah. creating like an environment of pleasure for yourself, right? And it's like. You know, do you always go for the same toy? Do you always go for the same move? Like, are you looking to just get this done as fast as possible? Do you fantasize all the time? Are you worried about what other people in the house are going to hear? Like, these are the things that become aware to you through these meditations that now highlight these deeper unconscious beliefs that exist. Mm. And, like, what you are playing into, not just in sex, but as a, as a whole. Like, it's just it's just one experience to highlight to you with a macro level macro level
0: as well oh this is good i okay so we have masturbation meditations we have sort of that observer the allowing what, what how okay if i'm in a relationship where sex is meh <laughs> or <laughs> i don't know or or is an issue or there's a struggle there in some i guess like What's the next thing?
1: Yeah. And so it's, you know, super context dependent. I mean, the first, the first step is definitely that awareness of going, let's get honest, right? Let's accept what's going on. It's kind of like the way that you would look into the mirror and, and say all the things that are not working out for you. Mm -hmm. Um, Those, those expressions do need to be voiced. With your partner, I mean, there's many ways to go about that. It doesn't have to be. Yeah, let's talk about those (laughs) ways. Let's
0: talk about those ways because there's there's some hard, like you have to be, in my opinion, very true to yourself and in the moment to be able to express these things without anger or without sadness or becoming the victim. Like, how do you have these conversations in an intimate relationship? without, especially if you're a person who's a people pleaser and doesn't like to make others uncomfortable or avoids confrontation.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. So I guess there's like a couple different ways that this can, this can go about. I mean, a, a way that's really helpful is to have support. So like having a therapist or coach or mm-hmm. a, I find that often what happens is when somebody does the self work, mm-hmm. like when, when, one, when one person in, in the couple is doing the self work, the other person is along for the ride, whether they like it or not. Yeah. Right. Cause it's yep. like when one person starts to do the work and they go here are my new standards, here's the way that I'm now choosing to live. It's going to either inspire your partner to do the, that same work and go, you know what? Yeah. Like let's, let's do this. Or there's going to be some massive ego tantrums of you can't make me change. You can't make me do that. Mm-hmm. And that becomes a whole other, a whole other situation as, as its own. But that often when you have that support of um, a coach or someone who's, who can walk you through how to take those next steps, I find that that's really, really powerful because then you're supported in that experience. Sure. And often when you're in a, in a partnership with, you know, it's like a, you know two partners and you have one person looking to change, there's kind of this, this hope and this expectation of like, okay, if I change, like I hope that they're going to change too.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: the unfortunate reality is that that may not always happen. It's which can definitely, be really scary and yeah. a reason truly why people stay in their problem. They stay where they're at because they're like, Well, if I change, will my partner leave?
0: Absolutely. And that's that invitation to have your partner meet you where you are, or now you have a choice. Do I want to continue this upward spiral or stay in the in the in the mud?
1: <laughs> right. 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 And and it's it's kind of like um, when you are having those conversations and especially if you're a people pleaser, which truly so many people experience this, um, you know, if you're, if you're, if you have a hard time expressing your needs to your partner, it's like, this is going to be a reflection of your ability to express your needs to yourself. Mm -hmm. So there's always, it always, for me, comes back to, there needs to be self work. There needs to be self work. It can't be like, I'm only going to do this work if my partner does it. Well, mm-hmm. then you're going to be waiting forever because mm-hmm. your partner probably isn't moving forward because one of you is holding on to this problem for whatever reason, and it's gonna. It takes. We think that it takes two people to uh, to be in a relationship, but it only takes one person to change it.
0: Hmm. Oh, that's a, right. Hmm.
1: So we need one person needs to be the one to go. I'm gonna. T- I'm taking this leap of faith. I need to do something different, and. Again, that's going to inspire your partner in In which way we can't know, but it's, it comes back to the way I see it is it comes back to an element of control. If we're going, well, I just won't say anything in that way. They'll stay. That's, that's a control tactic. That's a manipulation. That's not being authentic to yourself. And that's also, that's ultimately not being authentic to them either.
0: Yeah. It's kind of burning the candle at both ends there. And that's like burnout. That's resentment. That's where a whole, where your trauma cycle or your trauma bonds really come into play. You're,
1: You're playing the whole thing out. You're playing your traumas out on each other instead of like, it's like, what would your relationship look like if it wasn't just about replaying your traumas? What would it look like if your relationship was about creating new life and feeling free and, and feeling like you could do anything and going on adventures together and growing together and feeling inspired together, you know, um, and feeling safe to do that. Now is, is
0: sex always a conversation? Like, do you always have to be expressive in like verbally expressive? Let's just say, do I always have to like, you know, talk, like have a, I don't know, like a, like a replay or a recap of what was good and what wasn't (laughs) or do I always have to, can it just be what it is?
1: It can. I mean, it's, it's, super context dependent like it's like it depends on it depends on what's going on but whether you are expressing verbally or not you're expressing oh yeah right your body language is expressing your tone is expressing your the way that you're feeling either like your body is opening or like you know retracting like these are all forms of expression and that when we can use our voice like our if you look at your vocal cords like literally if you look at them like at a, uh, anatomical level and you look at your, um, pelvic floor, they, they look the same. They're both diaphragms, right? So it's like your ability to express with your voice is going to impact your ability to express with your pelvic floor, with your sex chakra. Like mm. they're very, very linked. So I find that it doesn't, maybe you don't have to have, um, I find it can be really funny for someone who's never done this before because it can feel very clinical. It can feel like, oh, I'm about to have a conversation with my partner about how do I want to have sex today? And like, how was that for you? <laughs> it doesn't have to be so awkward. It can be really, really intimate and and sexy and beautiful. It just, I think it's, it's about reframing for ourselves um, that there's this like clinical thing that we quote unquote have to do before and after sex and instead see it as ritualistic and creating ritual around it that's really empowering for the individuals
0: oh I like that a lot yeah. I like that a lot I mean in my personal relationship I we often do a little debrief if you will and this isn't all the time but we we do it and he'll probably kill me for saying this on the podcast but uh <laughs> <laughs> but it's been really helpful in and it's something I don't I really don't think I've done with many partners in my life. Like even with my husband, like we never talked about it. It was never a ritual. It was always like a, like a please, a please him sort of scenario and which caused a shit load of resentment within me. And I mean, that's the way I lived my life though. I was in complete denial about myself and I was not connected. And so that definitely... It resonated with me when you said like how you're outside, how you handle yourself is reflected within your relationship, especially at that intimate level. But the, the debrief, (laughs) the sex debrief was something neither of us had really done. So we found it super beneficial. And honestly, the icebreaker, like just like, just doing it created this trust and openness and sacred, it became sacred almost, um, and we just like did it once. And once it's done, like you just have to like start it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It, you just yeah. start it. And then it's like this really great thing that you're both there to serve each other and or or whatever, however you create, whatever you create.
1: Yeah. Yeah, precisely. It's like the the quick question of being like, you know what did you enjoy? What was your what was the best part for you? Rather than being like what could I do better and like what did you not like? Like maybe those questions are you're not ready for those questions yet. Maybe it's just starting with what did you really enjoy about that? What was what yeah. was it that really allowed you to feel? Um, there's kind of like these two concepts of like we have our accelerators, so the things that like accelerate our arousal, and you know that might be like having more time or. Um, you know, knowing that like the, the the kitchen is clean. I don't know, like whatever it I, is. I, like-
0: that, that's an arousal for me, for sure. Did you <laughs> unload that dishwasher, honey?
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. It's like, oh, good. Like I have nothing else to think about. Like, or, you know, maybe no one's home. Like those, those things that accelerate. And then there's, um, the things that pump the brakes mm. and so what pumps the brakes might be, you know, if someone is not present with you in that, in, in the experience, it might be if, You know, you hear the baby crying. It might be, like, there could be things that pump your brakes. And so um, being willing to just be like, what were your accelerators? What were your brakes? And having less of this, like, what did I do wrong? What did I do well? mm -hmm. It's less about that, Mm. right? Less about taking responsibility for, like, how you have done good or bad in the interaction and more about just witnessing your partner's accelerators and brakes and recognizing them as, as there.
0: I love that so much. Okay. We could literally go on forever. I'll have to have you back on the show. However, (laughs) you are, we can connect with you in many, many ways. You just started a podcast, which is awesome. It's called consciously crude and you have a co-host, correct?
1: Yes. Jasmine. Yeah. She's amazing.
0: And awesome. You're in season one of the show. And then what how else can we find you? How can we connect with you? Yeah.
1: You can connect with me on Instagram at Amanda Rassam, Mm-hmm. and you can connect with me, um, on my website at www.theconsciouscouple.ca where I work with my partner, Roberto Martinez, and we assist couples who have been at it for years, go from, you know, unhappy and unclear to clear and connected.
0: I love that so much. I'll have all those links in the show notes. Amanda, thank you so much. I'd like wow we need to we need to do a part two here because like we just really tip the like crack the iceberg tip the iceberg i don't know i don't know what i'm trying to say (laughs) totally
1: absolutely i'll be happy to come back and i'll have to have you as well on our podcast
0: (laughs) sounds good thank you have the best day
1: thank you you too
0: okay that's all for me today i want to thank my guest amanda rossam for coming on and sharing her wealth of amazing knowledge Also, her Firestarter program is now live for registration. You can connect with her through the links in the show notes. If you love this episode, please head over to Apple Podcasts or Google Play and give the show a five-star rating and a written review. Follow us on Spotify and share in your social media. Thank you so much for listening today. Have the best day, everyone. Until next time.